Welcome to Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Pembroke campus. Well, this morning it is wonderful, absolutely spectacular to have uh, two super special people. You, you must know them. If you don't know them, that means you only have been coming here for a little while. But Pastor Peter and Lisa Banana are the founding pastors of Grace Capital Church and have poured into so many lives in this region. Um, Pastor Peter is now our district supervisor of the Northeast Atlantic District of Foursquare Churches, and he has a big responsibility caring for all of our Foursquare Churches in the uh, in that massive district. Um, but today he is with us, and so would you give an amazing welcome to Pastor Peter and Lisa Bonanno? Love you guys. Hello, everybody. It's so great to see you. Wow. I missed you, church family. You are always and will always be a part of my heart. And we just want to say thank you for having us today and just welcoming us so beautifully. Um, I just wish I could give each of you a big hug right now. You know that we are, we pray for you. Yeah. We pray for you. Even though we're far away from you, you are always in our heart. And we want you to know we pray for you. Okay, we love you. And <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm crying. Anyway, I want to say as a mother's heart to you, a few things the Lord told me. One thing, say I want you to tell them thank you. Thank you for all that you do in loving people, in serving, in um, discipling, and all that you do. The Lord is pleased with you, church. He is pleased with you. I just want to say thank you from the Father's heart to you, to me, to you. Thank you. And the second thing I want to say is, as a mother's heart to you, is something that my mom used to say to me all the time, is, Lisa, keep your heart tender. Keep your heart tender. No matter what you go through, you keep your heart tender. And I just want to say that to you as a church body. There's a sweet spirit here, mm. a beautiful, sweet spirit here, a wonderful place in our hearts for the Lord to cultivate something really good. Keep your heart tender toward him. Keep your heart teachable and transparent. He wants to do something great in you, Amen. and he loves you. Amen. Amen. Thank you for having us. We're Amen. great to be here today. It is an honor, a privilege to be back home. It does feel like home. And, um, you know, they say that when you go home, it never feels exactly the same. And um, I, it, it is a little bit true because when we arrived, we realized we forgot a lot about New Hampshire. Like, we forgot that it's still cold here. Um, we forgot that the, the trees are just maybe starting to bud. And, you know, I have to be honest, we live down south now. And y'all is, you know, it's different. <laughs> and so we got our flowers already and our trees, and we're out walking around in shorts and running and doing all that fun stuff, and, uh, but there's so much beauty here that we also have forgotten and taken for granted, and don't take that for granted. Wherever you are, not just in the environment, but the church that you're a part of, the family that you have, it is so easy to get wrapped up in life and miss what it is that's all around you. In fact, when we moved to Maryland, one of the things Lisa and I decided is we were going we to really get the most out of the area that we're in, you know, and enjoy things and see things that we never saw before. And we took, and, and here we just kind of 
we took for granted. And so I want to just speak to you a little bit about that actually today um, and how Lisa and I have come to a place in our life where we understand that there's a lot of things in the Christian walk. There's a lot of things in the Word. There are a lot of things in the church, but there's really just one thing above all else that God wants us to always come back to. So 18 months ago was uh, the last time I preached here as the lead pastor. Can you believe it? It's been a year and a half, the last time that I preached as the, as the lead pastor. And um, as the guy who planted this church and, clo- and, and served here for close to 19 years, uh, that's not an easy thing to kind of say goodbye to that. Uh, but when God puts something in your heart and it's pretty, pretty clear, you have to be willing to do what he says. Um, you know, in fact, many people who are founders of things, they, they either don't leave or they leave reluctantly or they leave and they make a big stink about it afterward. Uh, it's called founder's syndrome. People, it's, it's a real thing. People who found companies... You know, they, they, it's difficult to let go and to go. But my heart, and I believe your heart, our heart should always be about obeying the Lord wherever he leads us. And that it's only what we do for Jesus that's going to last anyway, right? When you sent us off and you blessed us, uh, I really believe that God sent us to a new season in our life. And um, I'll give you a kind, of a kind of a story that kind of illustrates something about seasons is, as you know, um, again, we live further south, and you know, so you expect that it's going to be warmer in the winter, and you guys are going to get plowed with, you know, cu- covered with snow up here. Um, you didn't have much of a winter, I hear, you, but I did, <laughs> like um, a 36-inch snowfall. You know, and everyone saying, you, know, you know how here when it snows, everyone runs to the grocery store and they empty it, and you think, why do they do that? Just going to be able to get out. Not like that in Maryland. That's why they do that. And so it snowed and it snowed. But here's the great thing. We sold a lot of our stuff when we left, like furniture and stuff, but there's one thing that I held on to, my New Hampshire snowblower. <laughs> And I had that baby in the garage tuned up, and I was like, man, no, thir- you know, three feet of snow. We've had that here. You know, yeah, you got to get out a few times, keep up with it. No biggie. So it started snowing, and sure enough, I powered it up, got that driveway all plowed out, and it was just great. And then I went to my neighbor, Dino, on the right side. I'm plowing him out. Dino comes out, and he's like, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm plowing you out. He goes, I, I was going to pay someone to do that. How much should I pay you? I said, no, this is, we just do this all the time. You know how it is. In the wintertime when it snows, everyone goes out and they help each other out. And so I plowed him, and out, him out and then I went next door to, to Tim's house and plowed them, snow blowed them out, went down the road. There was a, a lady from Africa that lives in our neighborhood. She didn't even have a shovel. So, you know, plowed her out. And, you know, and by the time, so uh, the snow stopped and, and all of our driveways were just like awesome. And the sidewalk between us, it was just crystal clear. It was just wonderful, but we couldn't go anywhere for a week. <laughs> they did not touch the road for a week. And then when they did, it was like this little plow thing that went around like this. 
They had no place to, I'm like, don't they know they're supposed to like, keep up with it? You see, there's a different season where God calls you, and you got to get used to what it is. And, and if you're walking in the flesh, you can get discouraged. If you're walking in your own kind of understanding of things, your own expectations, you're going to get angry. But when you walk in the Spirit and say, God, you've sent me here, you've drawn me to this place, you have led me for a purpose, then when those things come that, when the 36 inches of snow comes and doesn't work out like you, like you thought, you have a heart to just serve and be at rest and be okay with things. When you guys sent us off, one of the things that God really has worked in us over the last year and a half is a sense of how we're so out of a comfort zone that we were used to. And when you get out of that, you end up becoming much more dependent upon God than you ever have. So I want to emphasize to you something that I really believe God has put on my heart for this day, for this church, not just for this day but that transcends this day. A word that started over 20 years ago and that will continue 20 years forward. A word that is not my word necessarily, but a word of the Lord from the word. Because who would ever think that Grace Capital Church would be what it is today? I know for me and Lisa, when we started this church and a few of you here were part of that with us. It was nothing like we could expect. I mean, God blessed it. God grew it. You know, we came here in 1996 with three little kids, and all we knew was that God said, go, and we responded. Today, four campuses. You have a reputation for being a blessing in your community. Kaylin shared an example of that even in the schools. You have good leaders. You have sent missionaries you have a good future. But let me just say something to you and to me, because if there's something that is so easy for us to neglect, even though it's all around us, something that's so easy for us to walk on from, even though it is the most important thing, it's this heritage that each of us have of grace. A heritage of grace. Today I want to talk to you about grace first. Grace first. Above all else, grace first. What does that mean? Well, if you don't understand the power and beauty of grace, maybe it's a difficult thing for you to kind of get around in your mind. We sang about it today several times. Amazing grace. Amazing grace. It's very easy, by the way, to start off with grace and to move on to something else. As if other things are more mature, <laughs> other things are kind of more important, that other things are maybe just kind of for the moment things that we should be focused on. Good things, great things really, things like hard work and vision and strategy or even to move on to things that are really spiritual, like strong faith and prayer and worship. Those are all great things. Or even to reorient our lives around values that are just really, really good values, like 
justice and knowledge and righteousness. Those are all good things. But I want you to think about in your life, think about what God has rescued you from. Where would you be today without grace? And by the way, think about those things that you did in order to get that grace. Absolutely nothing. (laughs) Nothing that you or I could do could win the Father's heart. It's just because He loves us and He gave Himself for us. And so now, as a church, I can tell you that God's blessing on this place through the years has nothing to do with me, any of the leaders that were part of this to begin with, and even today, God's blessing on this place has nothing to do with any of us. It's not because we're better than others. It's not because you're more spiritual or harder working. This church has always stood for, and not just this church, but really the church has always existed for one reason alone, and it has to do with grace. Grace has always been first. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to Titus chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 3 through 7. Titus 3, 3 through 7. For we ourselves were once foolish and disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Now that's kind of a messed up group of people right there. Look at that. Foolish, disobedience, led led astray, slaves to passions and pleasures, malice, envy, hated by others, hating one another. I mean, that is messed up. That's where God found us. That's where God found them. But when the goodness and the loving kindness, not of us, but of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, again, nothing to do with us, but according to to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, talking about what's happened through the cross, the blood of Christ, but also the infilling of the Holy Spirit in our life, being renewed, made new, whom he poured out on us richly, generously, more than enough through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified, made right with God by grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. I want to tell you something about this verse. Before there was a Grace Capital Church, this, this section of Scripture, this passage, was a passage that God gave to me and a few of our leaders before Grace Capital Church ever had a service before we ever had a meeting, it was this particular verse that God spoke to us and became pivotal in naming the church. These verses serve as reminders that it was, is, and always will be about grace. 
So what's this grace we're talking about? Goodness, loving kindness of our Lord, it says here. The word grace means unmerited favor. In fact, in the Greek, the word is charis. And, and it means kindness and favor that is bestowed upon someone though he or she does not deserve it. Did you get that? Listen to that. What is grace? It's you give someone kindness and favor. God's given us kindness and favor. He's bestowed it, although you don't deserve it. That is so contrary to how the world gives kindness and favor, right? The way kindness works in the world is this. Someone does something nice for you, you do something nice for them. You know, you go into the store and they open the first set of doors for you. You're like, wow, they did something nice for me. I'm going to get in there and I'm going to open that door for them. That's how we, you know, that's how we do it. That's like someone does something good for you. you do, someone loves you, you love them back. I, I remember not too long ago, Lisa and I um, were driving up to CVS and we were going inside and I got out of my car door and and I get out and I look right on the drive, on the parking lot there, there was this wad of cash. My first thought is, thank you, Jesus, you know. I've been, this is like my reaping. I've been sowing, I've been getting out of some reaping. <laughs> I grabbed that money and just then the Lord said, well, that's not yours. I said, that's not, Lord, okay, so what do I do with it? So I'm thinking, and I saw right there, there was a white pickup truck. And of course, I put two and two together, whoever got out. It fell out of their lap or whatever. There it was. So I took that money and casually walked into the store and was going around to different people. And I said, do you have a white pickup? No, no. Do you have a white pickup? Yeah. And, and then this one man and his teenage son was standing. I said, do you guys have a white pickup? Yeah. I said, well, I think I found your money because this was in the parking lot. And the little boy said, that's mine. I was looking for that. That was the money I, that I had saved so that I can buy food for my pets. And his eyes just got big. And, and I said, well, here it is. And he and his dad just were like, they had the biggest grin on their face. It was like they couldn't believe it. They were amazed. And I walked away and I felt like, man, mm, hallelujah. I, have now a, I feel like a million dollars. I just did the greatest thing in the world. I felt so good about myself. And then the Lord said, why do you feel so good? What did you do? I said, well, I gave him that money. I said, was it your money? He said, no. I said, no. That was their money. You did not do anything good. All you did was give back to someone what was theirs. You see, this is what we, you and I equate to being good and kind and nice, is doing something for someone that really... It's not above and beyond. It's just what they automatically should get because you do something nice for someone else, they do something nice for you. But God says that grace is bestowed upon someone though he or she does not deserve it. It is while we are yet sinners that Christ died for us. It's by grace that you're saved so nobody can take credit, nobody can boast. According to Scripture, listen to what it says. We're accepted by grace. In other words, you didn't deserve to be accepted. <laughs> we are strengthened by grace. 
He takes us out of our weakness and he strengthens us. We are justified by grace. We have access to the Father by grace. We're free from the law because of grace. We are given the gifts of the Spirit by grace. We are abounding in grace. Grace first. Grace first. Always move grace to the beginning of the line. Because there's a tendency in us to move on from there. There's a tendency in us to understand grace, to get grace, but then kind of move on from grace. And I find that it's so easy to walk away from. And yet it's one of the greatest dangers that we have to become so godly that we think we no longer need grace. You know, when I sing that song, Amazing Grace, that saved a wretch like me, I, I know there's a tendency in us to say, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not really a wretch anymore. You know, what Christ did for me on the cross, I'm cleansed. But the reason I like the words like that is because it reminds me that either I was a wretch, I may still be a wretch, or I'll become a wretch <laughs> if I'm not careful. I find the times that I most often turn from grace are the times where I have expectations, either of God, myself, or others. And, and somehow they don't live up to it, including God at times. When I have something that someone should be appreciative of. You know, you do something nice for someone, they should appreciate you. You give someone something, they should, you know, you give someone a gift at their birthday, you're expecting they're going to give you a gift at your birthday. You know, you're, you're kind. You're expecting them to be kind back. But that's not how grace works. <laughs> that's justice. That's tit for tat. That's I do something good for you, you do something good for me. You know, when you pour yourself out and then someone accuses you of not doing enough or they don't even say thank you. Haven't you ever felt like that? It's like, man, that's ungrateful. They are ungrateful. I'm not going to do, do that for them again. We teach, what do we teach our children to do? You give them something nice or someone, what, what do we say? Say thank you. Because that's the right thing to do, to say thank you, to be grateful. And yet there's a scripture when Jesus is teaching about being um, loving your enemies and, you know, don't just love those who love you. You know what it says about God? It says that God is kind to the ungrateful. To the ungrateful and the evil. Think about that. He is kind to the ungrateful and evil. And then it goes on and says this. And it says that's how we behave as sons and daughters of our Father. Keep grace first. Grace is shown throughout the Bible, by the way. It didn't start on the cross. The cross is the fulfillment. It's the culmination. It's the access point, And it is the thing that releases grace in our life so that we can live it out. But it didn't start there. You remember the story in Scripture when David and there were 600 men and 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 their armies, and they were going to this city called Gilgal, and they were going to recapture what had been stolen from them, including their own families. 
their wives, their children, all of their stuff. They, 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 their, their land was raided and they were brought to this city called Gilgal. And David, of course, sought the Lord, should we go after them? And God says, go, go ahead. Go and, go and restore and recover what is yours. And so 600 men start to, warriors, they go. And, they, and it says that they came to this waterway, this brook. And 200 of those men decided they were either too exhausted, maybe they just couldn't go on, or maybe they were frightened, whatever it was, but they stopped, 200. And I, and I actually, you know, I, I, it bewilders me. If, if you were one of the 200 men and like your wife was there and your children were there, I mean, what would stop you from going? But they stopped, 200 of the 600. The 400 go ahead in and sure enough, God gives them a victory. They win back all their family and more. <laughs> they get like extra and they come back. And do you know that there were a group of those 400 that went to David and said, David, these 200 that are over here, they didn't go the distance. They stopped short. They don't deserve. Now we'll give them their wives back and their kids, but all this extra stuff, this is ours. We, they, they don't deserve it. And it was at that moment that David rebuked them. And said this, we're going to share together what is ours together. And I thought, man, that, what a picture of grace. Because what would you and I do? Be like, they didn't do the hard work. They don't deserve that. They didn't risk their lives like we did. I mean, they're going to be lazy about it. Just give them a little bit. But grace takes it to another level. David is an example of a king who put grace first. Not only in giving but in not holding a grudge, as, he, as happened with King Saul. Respecting and honoring, that's all about grace. This is the God who is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. And this is how we are as his children. Grace first. Now I want to speak about Grace Capital. Grace Capital Church. If grace is the ancient boundary stone that should never be removed in our life, in our church or in our faith, <clears throat> we have to understand that it continues in every day, in every aspect. Listen to this powerful verse in Galatians because it speaks about what happened even before the law, even before the cross. We have a letter that was written to people who were going back on grace. Really, was what they were doing. They started with the Spirit, and now they were relying on their own works, their own flesh, their own reasoning, their own thinking. They, think, they thought they were advancing to greater things. But they were turning to a gospel that was more about doing to get God's favor and expecting others to do to get God's favor too. Galatians 3.17 this is what Paul taught them. It says, this is what I mean. The law, which came 430 years afterwards, after what? After the blessing that God gave to Abraham, which is a blessing of grace, by the way. Abraham didn't do anything to get the blessing. And we are the children. The, he's, we, we, we consider Abraham the father of our faith. The law which came 430 years afterward does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void. You see, what we do is this, is that, 
you know, we, we make it about the law. We make it about works. We kind of move on from grace. But he's saying here, listen, the law came afterward. And the law came to show you that you couldn't do it on your own anyway. So let's get back to what it's all about. Grace first. Grace first. Let me show you what happens when grace takes a back seat. And I'm speaking to us personally, but I'm also speaking to this church because really I feel like not only am I a district supervisor, and this is one of the churches that I oversee, but I'm like dad here. Someone said I'm the godfather. (laughs) So let me make you an offer you can't refuse right now. (laughs) Let me show you what happens when grace takes a back seat. Knowledge without grace first equals pride. Knowledge without grace first equals pride. Scripture says knowledge puffs up. Love or grace builds up. I know that of some people, they have the, really the right motivation. They want to study God's Word. They'll go to school for great insight. You know, they'll, they'll dig deep. They'll learn theology. They'll learn all the way that the church should be run and history. And, and then they come out and act like they got all the answers in the world for everyone else. I just got my master's degree. That deserves a woo-hoo, Yeah. Yeah, that was a good woo. <laughs> and, but you know what I learned in taking those classes? That I know so little. And yet you could say, okay, here's my degree now, here's my initials after my name. And, but what knowledge without grace does is it puffs up, it causes pride. Because you think, well, if you've got the knowledge, you've got the inside scoop. You know more spiritually or, men- or mentally or- than others. And you become full of spiritual pride. Vision, strategy, plans, without grace first, equals drivenness and disillusionment. Because if it's all about, you know, wearing yourself out, you wear others out with, here's the plan, here's the vision. Here's what we're going to do. Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, had to come to him. Do you remember Moses? I mean, he was a man with vision. He was a man with plans. He had a calling from God. I mean, all of the good things that you and I preach, live, want. But he was wearing himself out and he was wearing others out because he didn't share the leadership. He didn't live a life of grace at that moment. And it took his father-in-law to go to him and correct him, to slow him down. This is typically the, the flaw of strong leaders here. We get an assignment from God, and then we forget that it's his grace that gave it to us, and his grace that enables us to do it. And it's his grace that we must extend to others as we are leading them to fulfill it. My daughter, Gabby... Um, is a sophomore at college, and she, uh, man, she's a hard worker. She had like two, three, four different jobs at school, and one of the jobs she had was working for this nail salon that just opened. It was like top-of-the-line nail salon, and she was excited about it because 
she likes nail salons. <laughs> and this was like a fancy one. And, oh, she got this job. She was so excited. And she, I remember she told us she interviewed with the, the owner that was just opening it. And the lady really liked her. And she hired her. And, and Gabby started working at this. And this, this, this gal is like a strong leader and entrepreneur, the owner of this. And she has a certain way of doing things. And, you know, she is, and, and Gabby just started to get so stressed out. She was like, this woman is insane. I said, well, what is it? She goes, that she is like an ultimate perfectionist. And if you get one thing, and she doesn't, she doesn't take the time to work with you. She has this expectation. And, you know, and Gabby is a hard worker. And, you know, so Gabby started doing some research and found out that this, no wonder why she's like this. She was the former Miss Oklahoma. And she is like beauty pageant lady and everything. And it just stressed Gabby out. And Gabby just, you know, had to have a talk with her and say, you know, you can't expect me to know this if you're not going to train me to do this. And, you know, and so now she's finishing up. And the lady said, well, in order for you to finish up, you have to, you have to schedule an exit interview with me. And I said, Gabby, you're a student. You're coming back home. Just tell her you're not going to be there until next semester. I mean, it's just like drivenness, disillusionment. Gabby said like half the girls quit already and all that kind of thing. No, remember, grace is leading like a shepherd. I mean, in the world, they can do that. In the church, we better not. <laughs> Justice without grace first equals bondage. Why? Because no one can live up to it. No one can live up to justice. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. If we live that way, we would all be blind and eating oatmeal. Because that's it, man. We're just eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Grace first means this. We understand that we've got like a huge log coming out of our eye. And we can't get close enough to even see the speck in someone else's. <laughs> you know, we're like walking around with it. And everyone looks at us and says, what's that? Well, this is why I need grace right here. <laughs> but when we're living, and, and listen, we believe in justice. Social justice, justice for the poor. We believe all of that. But if it's all, you, you and I see that. I mean, it almost becomes like violent and becomes militant without grace. I love the scripture in Romans 12 where it talks about how it says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I used to read that and think, yeah, so you just like, someone's mean to you and you're just like ultra nice to them. And they just like feel so guilty. And you just burn in their head. It's like their scalp is getting all crispy. It's just like, oh yeah, I'm going to be nice to you. And you know, and inside you're seething. And you're just like, but that's not what that means. Did you know that when scripture is talking about heaping burning coals on their head, this is, this is, in context, this is about a live coal, which they didn't have like 
Bic cigarette lighters back then or those flicker things that you light your grills with because the pilot light went off, you know? They didn't have matches. A live coal was precious. And so to have a live coal, you would, people would carry these coals on their head and, and the coal in their life or the, the fire in their life would go out. They would lose a sense of hope, really. And that you would be restoring the hope in their life by putting a live coal of blessing upon them. You and I think about the people that we live with, the people in this culture, the people in your community, the people in your work, the people in your school without hope. And maybe they're mean to you. You know, they're your enemy in some way. But we... We, get, we, let them overcome, we let that evil overcome us. And the way we overcome evil with good, the way that we restore hope to people is by putting grace in front of justice. We put grace in front of justice. Grace first moves us from what is fair to what is supernatural. Did you get that? Grace first moves us from what is fair, 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 to what is supernatural. Hey, by the way, practice this kind of grace at home. Because at home, you got your chores, and, you know, I make the bed the first day, you make the bed the second day. The clothes there, you know, you put them in the hamper, otherwise I won't wash them. Mm-mm. This is your day to do that dishwasher. Fair is fair. You got to go out last night with your friends. I'm going out tonight. Practice this at home. Here's another one. Communication without grace first will cause offense. Communication when grace isn't in front of it will cause offense. Scripture says that our conversation, our speech, our communication must be seasoned with salt. That we have to be careful that although we can speak the truth, we must speak the truth in love. Because words can hurt people no matter how right they are. Grace first. Always coming back to grace. Here's another one. Righteous behavior without grace first. That equals judgmentalism. Doing all the right things. Beware of the righteousness, it says, of the Pharisee. <laughs> In other words, if you think your holiness sets you apart and that you are better than others, all those nasty people out there, I'm good you know, compared to them. Don't boast on that. Righteous behavior without grace first leads to judgmentalism. And here's one that maybe you and I don't think about much, but we got Bible for it. Worship and prayer without grace first leads to idolatry. Worship and prayer without grace first is idolatry. It's maybe one of the most subtle and tricky of traps that we can fall into. After all, hey, I'm worshiping Jesus. I'm praying to God. I'm interceding. I'm in his presence. Remember the story in Luke 18, the Pharisee, he bowed before God. He was like, God, you know, I come before you and I thank you that I am not like him. Here he was in God's presence. How can you fault the Pharisee for being in the presence of God, seeking God, going through the actions of prayer or worship, 
He came to the presence of God, expressed thanksgiving even. I thank you. (laughs) But grace was at the very end of the equation, if there at all. He moved grace out of first place. So I'm going to say this, and it maybe will get me into a little bit of trouble. Even the most sincere, what can seem like a God-honoring activity, worshiping, interceding, seeking God, doing all of that. But the Bible says that we, can, that we come freely into His presence and that we approach His throne. But do you know what the throne is called? It's called the throne of grace. Not the throne of what I want. Not the throne of great feelings. Not the throne of I'm going to pray against them. (laughs) Not the throne of I'm better now because I'm here. It's always the throne of grace. Otherwise, it's idolatry. It's Aaron and the children of Israel melting down the gold so they can have a worship and prayer experience. Grace first brings us back to the mission of God and drawing others to Him. So let me just close with a couple of thoughts here. First of all, none of us should ever graduate from grace. You never get your diploma in grace and move on to something else. So I want to challenge you. Have you kept grace first in your own life? Grace Capital Church, will you keep grace first in this church leaders here you have a responsibility pastor mark and audra and the pastors here their responsibility before you is to continue to lead this church in grace first because there's lots of things that are going to happen great things the blessings of god more wisdom more insight but keep grace first This is one of the prayers in the scripture. It says, you then, my children, be strengthened by the grace that is in Jesus Christ. It starts with grace. It always was grace. It's where your strength comes from, and it all flows from here. Grace first. When we called this church, when we named this church Grace Capital Church, I honestly thought that the reason we named it Grace Capital Church is, well, the scripture that we had was about grace, and we were moving to the capital, right here, to the capital city, the capital region of New Hampshire, Grace Capital Church. Makes sense. Capital city, and it is, to some extent, the reason we did it. But as the years unfolded, it became clear that the word capital was not just a geographic word, but a priority word. Not just a geographic word, but a priority word. For the word capital means this. In the Greek, protos, it means first in rank, influence, principle. Its root form is pro or front, in front of, first. 1 Corinthians 15.3 says it like this, I delivered to you of first importance, that word is capital, above all else, that Christ died for your sins. Grace is capital. Grace is capital. And I want to just close with this scripture, then a story. Romans 12, 3. It's from the message. I'm speaking to you, and this is the Father's heart. Really, this reflects something from my heart to you, from our heart to you as a church. I'm speaking to you out of 
deep gratitude for all that God has given me. And especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you. Living then as every one of you does in pure grace. It's important you don't misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No. God brings it all to you. And the only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what God does for us, not by what we are and by what we do for Him. Grace Capital Church, God's future for you will be marked by grace and grace first. You won't win battles by your own strength. You won't reach this region because of your own strategies, but only by being sons and daughters of our Father whose grace flows through us. We used to sit right here every Sunday. And I remember, like it's yesterday, actually, one of sweet ladies in our church who's gone on to be with the Lord named Kim Burke, an Asian lady from Korea. She came to the Lord here, received the fullness of the Holy Spirit here, and she's gone on to be with Jesus now. We would sit there, and this is when our kids were little. Same, same kind of picture that I see here now. They would just sit and pay attention and sometimes not pay attention. And, but during the worship time, we would be there, and I got three kids. Caleb's our oldest, and Jordan and Gabby. And Jordan is probably the one who looks the most like me. He favors me. And Well, I remember Sunday after Sunday, Kim would come in, and she would always, she would notoriously be late to church. And she would shuffle in, and she always was immaculate dressed, and she would come in down the aisle, always down this aisle right here, always during worship. You remember, Kate? Remember? <laughs> she would stop right there, and she would look at our family. And then she would say, only like she could, Oh my God, Lisa, your son Jordan, he looked exactly like his father. He look exactly like him. He walk like him. He talk like him. He look exactly. Oh my God. And Jordan would be like, oh, not again. But it occurred to me that when we think about the attribute of God that is above every other attribute, yeah, his love, but it's expressed in his grace. And he calls you and I to look exactly like him when it comes to grace. Grace Capital Church, every single one of you, keep grace first. Keep grace first. There's a tendency to move on. Keep coming back to it over and over again. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for grace capital grace first church that Lord above everything else all the good stuff Lord all the the right decisions all the strategy all the spiritual activity all of the things that are done that are good things but Lord the best is coming back again and again 
for what you've done for us, Lord, you use us to do for others. So I pray, Lord, that you will revitalize the spirit of grace over and over in us and that we would keep coming back to your grace for us, Lord Jesus, and extend your grace to others so that we could look exactly like you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Would you give Pastor Peter a hand? Thank you. Grace first. Um, He's our spiritual dad, and he planted a lot of spiritual seeds. But what we heard this morning is he wants to make sure that the seed of grace comes first. And that it's evident in our life, the way we treat each other. Um, I know it's a little bit later today. Please go directly to get your kids. When you pick up your kids, can you please tell them how incredible they are? And uh, they've had our kids a little bit longer than, than we normally have. But I told Pastor Peter that he could have as much time as he needed. We don't always get to hear from him. And I wanted to make sure that he had the opportunity to share everything that was on his heart for us. So thank you, Peter and Lisa. Uh, I will just dismiss you right now. Love you guys and uh, continue. Grace first. Grace first. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com 